0: What's going on, guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Health Podcast. I have a special guest with me today, Marissa Roy. Her and I connected through Coaching Con originally, and she's in the NCI, BCI space. And she reached out and said that she has some amazing things to share with my listeners. And so wanted her to give her the opportunity to come on the show. Uh, first time of us meeting, so I'm also learning a lot, as you guys are learning from her as well. And so again, Marissa, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here and I'm to get to know you as well and your whole brand.
0: (laughs) Awesome. Sounds great. Well, let's kind of dive on in here. So tell us a little bit more about yourself.
1: Absolutely. So uh, as you said, my name is Marissa Roy and uh, I am the owner of a company called Permanent Change Coaching, where we help busy professionals lose weight and feel their absolute best without doing any crazy cardio, spending a bunch of time in the gym, or most importantly, giving up their sweet tooth.
0: I love that. I think that's awesome. And, and um, I know you had mentioned like on the, some of the notes beforehand, you know, you said why people should eat dessert every day to lose weight. Oh
1: yeah. We'll talk about it.
0: Well, <laughs> let's, let, let's hear about it. Like, I think that's, I think that's definitely something I know I'm a sweet person. Um, uh, I know sometimes that could be you know, my downfall as well. <laughs> I feel like, you know, we all can have those you know, ebbs and flows of making it work for us, but Tell me a little more about that.
1: Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, kind of the whole impetus of it was, you know, I'm a health and nutrition coach. I'm trying to help people get in shape. And the reality of it is, and I've been like really just mulling over this a lot lately too, um, is the fact that if I gave any random person on the street $1,000 and said, hey, this is, you're going to clean out your fridge and your pantry, and you're going to replace it with everything that you know you should be eating to get in shape, be healthier, lose weight almost every single person would buy the right things. They buy fruits, vegetables, proteins, like it wouldn't be perfect. No, but everybody says like, Oh, I just need to know what to eat. And I'm like, no, you don't. You absolutely know what to eat. You know that you need to work out more. And that's not the reason that you're not in the shape that you want to be in. It's what is actually throwing you off it's the weekends it's the sweet tooth it's the everything that gets in our way from our circumstances to our self-limiting beliefs and that's what i really help coach people through and so the dessert every day that's kind of a little background but that came from that right because i was just so frustrated with the fact that yes, we know what we need to do, but the answer is not slap yourself on the wrist and just like try harder and have more discipline and just out of sight, out of mind. I used to tell myself that too. And my background is that I really struggled with my relationship with food for a long time. And it caused me to go down some really dark paths and really just abuse my body and abuse dieting and exercise in a really unhealthy way. So Basically, I thought, all right, this is what everyone's trying to do. This is what I've done in the past. It's not working. Restriction is not the answer. So how do we stay consistent and reach our goals with incorporating our favorite things in moderation? And so for me, I have a big sweet tooth too. My favorite is a chocolate chip cookie. I'll always say like my Crowning glory is that um my wedding cake was a chocolate chip cookie tower and I
0: love it. <laughs> I built
1: it myself and it's the best thing ever. It's amazing. And that just goes to show like how much I love dessert like just because I'm a health and fitness professional doesn't mean that I can't eat sweets. And so I basically by my life's design, just started eating dessert every day as a part of my regular routine. And then I started posting about it. And then it kind of just became this like hashtag and thing that like, I would kind of market and our clients all just like hopped on the bandwagon. And then I started noticing something very interesting, which was, it was actually helping people. And so I dove into the psychology of why that was. And so the principle is, To eat dessert every single day, even when you don't feel like it and do it on purpose, plan it into the day. And so most people say, well, I have a sweet tooth. If you give me an inch, I'll take a mile. If I eat one, it's going to turn into 10 and I'm just going to feel so regretful later. But you have to think about like, why does that happen? That happens because we restrict and we push off the urges and we push off the cravings until we just can't help it anymore. And then we overindulge. So I started observing what was happening with these clients and with myself that were eating dessert every single day and on purpose, having a a portion every single day. And what was happening was we were reinforcing the mindset that the dessert is going to be there the next day and the next day and the next day. So even if you overindulge, you don't have that next trigger to be like, ah, well, screw it. Right. Because Mm -hmm. you know that it's going to be there tomorrow. You're not going to start over tomorrow. You're not going to be good tomorrow or punish yourself. It's just, you're going back to having it once a day, every day. And that has been like, honestly, one of the biggest tools that I've used to help people repair their relationship with food. And it's hard because They'll mess up at first, they'll still overindulge at the beginning, and it's not perfect and it's not a linear journey, just like anything. But if you stick with it and you actually commit to eating dessert every single day for a number of weeks in a row, you'll find that eventually you just become that person that can have one and be done and move on.
0: Yeah, I, I was say it's a couple of things that kind of came to mind of that. I mean, how many often, how many times do you hear? You know when when somebody's on a diet, and you know you see somebody eating dessert, and you know the other person's looking over like, "Aren't you on a diet?" And they yep. just make it seem like those things are not allowed when you're on diet mood. And that's when we get stuck in this all or nothing mentality because it's like you're either all in on this diet, eating nothing but you know chicken, broccoli, and rice, or you are off completely and eating nothing but Oreos and cake all day long, basically.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the problem with that too is also the fact that it reinforces the idea that being healthy is dieting but those are actually two very separate things dieting is like well the act of like dieting for fat loss is being in a calorie deficit and um eating a certain amount to see a certain result on a scale but most people are not aware enough of their language that they actually assign just being healthy to that meaning as well and so they think that if i'm being healthy then i have to see the scale go down and i have to, you know, restrict and eat less when in reality health and fat loss are two completely separate entities and separating those can be really eye opening because you can eat healthy and not see any changes in your body and the scale. Um you can definitely feel better but um they're two totally different things and so it it also reinforces that mindset that being healthy is miserable, is hungry, is all these things that are unenjoyable when in reality, eating healthy can make you feel really, really great.
0: Yeah. One other thing you said that I want to, I want to go down this rabbit hole a little bit more because I feel sure. like I know a lot of people right now are listening to this and they, and they heard you say eat dessert every day. And, you know, some people go overboard the first couple of times but it's like, I know there's a lot of people out there thinking, Marissa, there's no way I, I will eat, you know, so much every single day. There's no way I can ever control that. How do we get past that initial point where it's like every day indulging, indulging, indulging over and over and over again?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, context matters. So like when I say eat dessert every day, it's also in the context of like, what else are we eating that day? Because if you are completely under eating all day long, you might overindulge on your sweets every single day, because you're just not well fueled enough. And so you know, you want to think of it just like the 80-20 rule or 90-10, even if that's what you're going for. But if you have, for example, three well-balanced meals per day, and each of those well-balanced meals has a starchy carbohydrate, a lean protein, a fruit or vegetable, a healthy fat source, you have that three times before you have your nightly dessert, you're not going to have these wild, crazy cravings. You're not going to have this ravenous hunger or this need to like snack in the pantry. It's just that kind of cap on the end of your day. But, you know, I still understand the argument, even if you were doing that and you have a poor relationship with food, it's probably going to take a lot of time to undo that. But I guess the best advice that I have for that person, because there's a lot of them out there is you have to, give yourself permission and stop shaming yourself and guilting yourself and beating up on yourself for something that doesn't actually have morality assigned to it. You are assigning meaning to the fact that eating sweets is bad. Therefore that makes you a bad person. That makes you a failure. And then we get in this shame spiral. And that's the reason that we continue to overindulge. It's not because every single bite tastes better and better. In fact, The law of diminishing returns states that the first bite is usually the best. And then it actually all just goes downhill from there. So it's not getting better. So why do we keep eating? It's because we are saying, well, I already messed up. So screw it. I might as well get it all in before I start over tomorrow. And, you know, a lot of that is tied into our self image, our self worth, our self efficacy. And like if we don't, consciously work on also building that up while we practice dessert every day, then it it might not get better. So it is an all encompassing thing. It's not just like you tweak this one thing and a switch flips and you're perfect. But, um, so context matters, you have to give yourself permission and you have to give yourself compassion would be the three things that I would say to that.
0: Awesome. And during this time are when, when you're helping somebody through this process, Is this done mostly at maintenance or when they're in a deficit either, or does it really matter?
1: Yeah. um, So, I mean, for myself personally, I do this all the time. (laughs) It is just my way of life. And I truly practice what I preach now because I think it is something that keeps me sane too. But in terms of how I would actually bring someone through this, this is where like our coaching methodology is probably really different than most fitness coaches, macro coaches out there because most people will, you know, and this was me also in the past. So I'm also throwing stones at myself here. I used to just like give people a set of numbers and I'd be like, these are your macros, go hit them you know, be flexible and good luck. (laughs) And (laughs) that was like basically information overload for most people. They were like, okay, so now you're telling me I have to not only track food, but understand what's in all my food and then play Tetris with all of it so that I can hit these targets and then do that every single day. Like this is not freedom. Like it, it clicked for me right away because I am just an athlete. I'm that type of person. Like when I learned this stuff, it, it hit right away. And there's a small percentage of people that Will understand that better, but for most people, it's like, "Whoa, you said this was going to be sustainable, slow, steady." No, so I started picking up on the fact that people were not just just not being successful with the straight up macros approach, and so basically, as I started building my business and uh, scaling my team, I can't even take credit for this. I didn't come up with this approach, but essentially we have what's called our priming method, our mindful priming method, where we basically just start with a relationship with food, no matter where someone is, no matter where they come from, what their background is, how much weight they want to lose. I don't care because you have an effed up relationship with food that needs fixing. And so, Mm -hmm. um, I just remembered your note that I can swear here. So, (laughs) (laughs) um, so I will, I will say, I will make sure not to censor myself, but Um, but yeah, so you've got a fucked up relationship with food, right? And it's the, it's most of the time your relationship with food and your relationship with self are the two reasons that you can't stick to the things that you say you're going to do. You have a ton of broken trust with yourself and that needs to be rebuilt. And so we start with things like dessert every day listening to your hunger cues, um, actually just building balanced meals. Like I was talking about rather than just, you know, trying to throw everything at the wind to hit these numbers that you know, nothing about, Um, and just building a foundation of a healthy lifestyle, because like I said earlier, health and fat loss are two very different things. So we build that distinction in from the beginning and we say, we're just going to be healthy right now, mentally, physically fueling your body with these things. I don't care what the scale says for the first 30, even 60 days. And we just kind of write that part of the journey off. And we only work with very specific people because they have to be okay with saying, I am going to slow down before I speed up. And then you can get into, all right, there's a certain crossroads there when you're building these balanced meals and you're starting to want to see results that you're going to have to start assigning a caloric value to things and understanding macros. And then we bridge that gap and then we move into that. The beauty there is that makes so much more sense to people once they've built the foundation because they're like, Oh, I'm already doing this with my meals. I just have to tweak a a couple of things and look, I've already hit my macros versus it being like a blank slate. So yeah, I think that's kind of how I would bring someone in towards like repair the relationship with food. If you haven't already started seeing some results because you've been able to moderate yourself better, and be more consistent. Then after that, we get into more of like a goal specific, like let's lose the weight intentionally type of thing.
0: Gotcha. One other thing that kind of came up with like this dessert every day kind of thing. Um, you know, obviously I don't want to talk too much into the binge eating realm because I do, I do realize like that's a whole other thing needs to be addressed on like, you know, through like actual professional help as well. Yeah. Yeah. But someone who is struggling with maybe overeating or maybe even leaning into some binge eating behaviors, is that something that you would work through them with that same kind of scenario as well? Or is that a different approach?
1: Yeah, that's a really I mean, it's a fine line, right? Because like what is disordered eating versus an eating disorder? That's a whole other conversation yeah. um, and I'm not the best well-versed person. I'm not a registered dietitian that understands completely the, the distinction. But mm-hmm. I will say is that when I was a teenager, I pretty much walked that line. I probably could have gone either direction depending on the practitioner I went to. If I went to one, I might've walked away with a diagnosis of binge eating disorder. Um, so I've definitely been somewhere in that realm. Um, and I think, you know, when it comes down to it, the same principles apply, especially self-compassion. And a lot of people mistake self-compassion for this thing, like, Oh, be nice to yourself. So that means you're going to become complacent and then you're going to get farther away from your goals. And then, you know, you're just going to have to accept where you are and not change anything. And people kind of take it completely in that wrong direction. But the reality of it is, is that we're all way too hard on ourselves. We all compare ourselves too much. We place these unreasonable expectations on ourselves. And doing more of that when we're already not reaching our goals is not helping us. (laughs) So self-compassion is actually the key to being more consistent because when you can forgive yourself for your mistakes, then you can actually move forward without a toxic cycle or shame spiral or whatever it might be. Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of this binge eating behavior, whether it be an eating disorder or not stems from shame and guilt and the things that we say to ourselves. And again, the relationship with self and it's how we're coping with stress and emotions internally that manifests in binging or overeating. And so that has been kind of like the biggest honestly, the biggest thing that we work on with clients. And it ends up feeling more like therapy than it does like talking about nutrition, but (laughs) that's kind of, that's kind of the point, right? Because like, if you can't figure that out and you can't have a healthy relationship with yourself, then no matter what the plan is, you're not going to be able to stick to it. So it's really just kind of about like celebrating small wins, building trust with yourself, um, setting attainable goals that you actually feel like you can hit. And being able to look at your progress with perspective. So like if you are somebody who is struggling with like binge eating tendencies or behaviors or disordered eating patterns, like how often is it happening? Is it happening every three days still? Or has it gone down to once a week? Has it gone down to once every other week? And the thing about that is it doesn't feel better. You still feel like you're screwing up all the time. So Mm -hmm. it's really hard to recognize, but- Um, if you're able to kind of, and that's what the role of a coach is to like, look at it and be like, Hey, this is happening less. Like, look at how well you're doing. Um, that can be like where we take steps forward from those behaviors. And then again, it's like incongruency with building up your self-efficacy, your habits, your confidence, and eventually moving away from that.
0: Amazing. I I love that you, you touched on all that stuff and, And it's just amazing, like how much our relationship with ourselves can carry over for all other aspects of life. I mean, like, yeah, you know, even, even like, you know, careers and finances and like, literally like everything in life stems a lot of times from like, how do you look at yourself? How do you treat yourself? How do you carry yourself from those day to day circumstances? Like it just radiates through so many things. And I'm glad you touched on that with, especially with the food piece and the overeating. Cause I know there's a lot of people right now that, you know, I think about even with a lot of my clients and. You know, it's funny you said it would uh, that you mentioned, like, you know, the it's almost like therapy basically for coaching. Uh, yeah. because, because I, I mean, like, and I, I love it, you know, I think it's great that you know we're able to have that connection and they have that relationship with our clients and being able to, and you know, they trust us to talk through those tough situations. But I think a lot of people come into coaching and thinking, oh, I'm gonna get my macros, get my workouts, and you know, get a burn in and lose some weight. Like, but it's like, yeah, you're gonna come thinking you're gonna get that, but. Then we're going to start digging into a lot of different rabbit holes to figure out, like, why all this is happening in the first place. Because yeah. I always say, you, you got to where you're at today because of a reason, right? Like, there's something that probably happened, you know, either through childhood or growing up or, you know, learned behaviors or, you know, social settings and things like that that have gotten you to where you're at today.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And it's a lot of unpacking and it's mm-hmm. it can be really difficult. Um, but uh, if you can understand, there's a good amount of, like, you have to understand where it's coming from and then... Uh, you can be able to move forward from that. But if you don't have the understanding and the awareness, then, you know, there's there's a lot that you can miss there. and just, you know, kind of kind of just go through life, float through life is like what I call it. Yeah. Um, and just kind of let things happen to you versus like really having that awareness to take control and and make a change. And I love what you said about how it is so permeable through every other aspect of your life because, Like that is part of my mission is like, I, I like, I I like health and fitness a lot, but I love self-development and I love empowering women, especially. And what I found is that the self-worth, the self-image thing, like once you start taking control of your health and fitness, like it opens up all these doors. Like then you start looking at your finances, your career, your relationships, all of those things, because you've built self-worth in the way that you take care of yourself and the way that you view yourself. And so it really just is a vehicle for that, like next level of how you show up in every area of your life.
0: Yes, absolutely. I I, want to, I I know I keep going back to this, you know, dessert everyday thing, but I I feel like I'm good, (laughs) (laughs) but I just know there's a lot of people listening to this right now. that are just like mind blown. They're like. I don't even see how this works. And like, so there, I <laughs> want to make sure we're, I want to make sure we're not leaving any stones unturned here and we'll make sure we're addressing all of this. Um, yeah. And something else is you talked about, you know, having it every day, even if there are the days when you really don't necessarily want it. What about when it starts, you know, obviously like there is going to come a point when you are like, all right, I really don't want X, Y, Z. You know, I really don't want the cookies today. At what mm-hmm. point do you start? Like, do, are you always listening to that and saying no, or. Is there a certain point where you kind of keep trying to encourage yourself to have it even though maybe you don't necessarily want it like where does that line at
1: yeah um that's a great question uh and i think you know something that's important there is really just how like where you are in your journey with this like if you just started i don't buy it for a second that's bullshit. Uh, because that's everything that you tell yourself yes. when you're in the toxic cycle itself like oh i've gone 3 days without a dessert i don't need it like i'm good no like just have it every day damn it like <laughs> <laughs> um so like it's the first couple of weeks maybe even first month couple of months i would just say like that's bullshit <laughs> just eat it every day uh but like for example for myself now like i've been doing this for years and like there will be days that I just don't have the dessert. Or like today I had like right after lunch, I had like this much, like a quarter size of a chocolate chip cookie. Cause it was just like sitting there as a crumb. And I was like, I'm just going to eat this one little piece. And, uh, I don't know. I might, might not have another dessert today or something like that. Um, and I think it's just like, once you've actually healed your relationship with food, that's when, okay, you can trust your real judgment there because it's not like your toxic pattern showing itself, right? And you're never going to be perfect. And sometimes there's going to be periods of time where you need to revisit the practice of eating dessert every day more often than not. But um, I would say, yeah, like the first couple of weeks, couple of months is really just like, it's a self-discovery period because you realize like, how backwards your way of thinking was as you go through it. And as you practice it and you learn, like I had one or I had two, and then I put it away. Like that is a huge win, right? Because I I'm going to have more tomorrow. So I want to save the sleeve of Oreos or the the case of cookies for tomorrow and the day after. Um, and so, yeah, I would say it takes time. I don't have any specific day or cutoff where it's like, 90 days till you build a habit or whatever. Yeah. But when you've built trust with yourself and you only know that after just a good amount of time practicing it and you just, you'll have a sense that you finally trust yourself.
0: Yeah. And I I want to take a moment to kind of talk a little bit more about, because I feel like, you know, we've definitely mentioned, I think both sides of this, but I want to make sure we actually like um, define some of this for people. What does a unhealthy versus healthy relationship with food. Like what are some of those different signs that, and obviously there's you know, a ton that we could go through, but like, what are some of the big telltale signs of like someone with an unhealthy relationship with food and how can we notice when these are starting to improve?
1: Mm, wow. Uh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> a healthy and unhealthy relationship with food. I would say a one way that you can really figure out where you're at with this is in your language. So a healthy relationship with food would mean like, how do you actually, how do you speak about food? Is it, is it, you know, good? Is it bad? Is it, you know, have morality assigned to it? So for example, an unhealthy, it's easier to describe unhealthy, Uh, (laughs) an unhealthy relationship with food is something where you assign meaning of This is good. This is bad to these foods. And, you know, I think that a lot of times we think that we can use these terms innocently, and maybe we can in a certain stage of our life. But I think it really comes down to like, when you then assign that meaning to the food, when you eat that food, what does it mean about you? (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then it comes back to the relationship with self. Um, And so an unhealthy relationship with food, I think is really reflective of your relationship with yourself, because if you eat the food and you, um, you know, then enter said shame spiral of I ate the thing, I am guilty, I am a failure, I am unworthy of my goals, I'm going to spiral further, then that is definitely an unhealthy relationship with food and therefore yourself. Um, And so using language that like assigns morality to the food itself can trigger said shame spiral. So I think it's like how you label the food itself and how does that then affect you um, is how you can kind of pinpoint where your relationship with food is at Versus like a healthier relationship with food. And I'm not saying you have to be so careful about your language all the time. Like, I think it's important that you can just relax and you can Mm -hmm. say something's good or bad for you. Yes. If you don't mean it in a way that like, I'm going to like binge on this thing because it's bad for me and I had a bite. Right. So yeah, it's difficult, but I would say like, if you are needing to be more careful about it for the sake of yourself and your own behavior, I would choose words like foods that are in alignment with my goals and foods that are not in alignment with my goals, foods that are nourishing versus foods that are more processed or packaged. Um, and foods that give me energy foods that I digest. Well, that sit well with me versus foods that cause digestive upset that or mm-hmm. um, make me crash at 2 PM. And it's just more objective uh, about like, this is the way that it makes me feel versus like, this makes me this type of person.
0: Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I just want to make sure we kind of take that picture. And I, for those listening, because I feel like, you know, people might be kind of quite And I feel like, honestly, if, if you're out there listening you're questioning it, it could mean that maybe you do have, not that, you know, you have an off relationship with food, but like, you know, if, if you're questioning it, maybe it is something just to kind of be just more self-aware. And I think it's just creating that awareness around it.
1: Yeah, I think like a lot of times like I don't want to sound like I'm just pointing fingers and being like your relationship with food sucks. Like, like a lot of people's does, but a lot of those people can kind of like if they hear this they would agree versus mm-hmm. being defensive. But I think those that may get defensive with what I'm saying is I'm not saying that your relationship with food sucks, but I'm saying that like what level of awareness do you actually have around it like you said, right? And I think that there's just a certain amount of observation that most people have not spent time doing that would really benefit them because it's just information. It's just like, let me observe more how I actually talk about, look at and behave around these foods and how does the meaning that I assign it influence my behavior and then therefore my psychology and my behavior following that. And I think you can just learn a lot and like mindfulness is like the base, of the pyramid of all things, health and nutrition. And if you can just build better self-awareness with the choices you're making, why you're eating, when you're eating, how much you're eating, uh, you're gonna learn a lot. And a lot of behaviors just tend to start self-correcting if you just start paying attention.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I wanna kind of pivot a little bit here and talk sure. about, you. Know, I, um, I love the name of your coaching company. I will say Permanent Change Coaching. I, I think that's very clever and very creative and it says a lot about what you do so talk a little bit about that you know because i feel like that's obviously you know we're in a day and age now where there's a bazillion different fad diets out there like i feel like they're coming up with something new every single day now a new product or a new type of diet or you know you, you look at the magazines at the store and they're all you know preaching all these like terrible weight loss things and so like but it's you know but I do think there is more awareness to these programs now that are creating more permanent change. And so mm-hmm. talk a little bit like that, like what makes it so sustainable that you guys are doing instead of your program?
1: Yeah. Um, well, I appreciate that. And I can't take credit for the name. Actually, my husband came up with it. Uh, I was like brainstorming branding because my company used to just be Marissa Roy Fitness.
0: Yeah. Like, this is bigger than me. <laughs> like, let's,
1: let's rebrand. <laughs> And I had this whole list of names and it was like, we had the tagline personalized habits, permanent change. And so I had all these different iterations of all of that. And I was like forever fit and personalized change and this and that, and I just couldn't figure it out. And then he just like threw it out there. And I was like, that's genius. <laughs> so we just ran with it. You know, when you know, you know, right. Yes. Um. But what makes us different and why, like how do we create permanent change? Uh, so I think part of it lies in the starting approach. So that priming method of actually slowing down before you speed up, not just being there for the sake of losing the weight, but being there to really address health holistically. I think that's a big part of it, but I think in terms of once you've reached the goal and then you want to maintain your results, because that's where most people fail is maintaining the results themselves is. I always like to say that permanent change is not an absence of messing up or going backwards or losing some progress. It's just actually having the tools and knowledge and skills that you need to be able to pull yourself back on track and do so with less errors and with less of a time delay than it might've been in the past. Because a lot of times, most women that I speak to nowadays have been struggling for like three years at this point. It's like COVID fucked everyone up. And like, we're still trying to get our bearings together after all that. And so people are, have a time delay right now of three plus years, essentially is, is what I'm saying. And sometimes longer, sometimes it's like my whole life. I have just hated myself and my weight. And I'm like, wow, we have a lot of work to do, but, (laughs) um, but like, just a long time delay. Right. And like, maybe they've seen success in the past. Maybe they haven't, um, but it's never stuck and they get stuck for longer than they've been successful. Um, so I think that it's about being able to shorten that time delay, have the tools, knowledge, and skills and awareness to bring ourselves back when we're falling off track. And I think it's also really just about building that self worth and self-efficacy of like, I can do something and I will see a result from it. And also just like being able to, man, what was I going to say? I lost my train of thought. Uh, it'll come back to me, but, um, but yeah, I would say like tools, knowledge, and skills and shortening your time delay, having self-awareness um, and and just knowing the non-negotiables of what you can get away with. Like I always think about, um, and it, again, it's, separating healthy versus fat loss, right. Or healthy versus the calorie deficit. And what people don't realize is that it's actually very easy to maintain the results that you achieve. If you just know what the non-negotiables are. And so I like to frame it with people because they love hearing this is just figuring out like, what do you need to make sure that you keep doing? And then what can you get away with? Like, (laughs) People love hearing that. It's like, what can I get away with? How many drinks (laughs) on the weekend? How much chocolate can I eat? Like, what can I truly get away with? And the reality is, is if you keep up with like a step count, hydration, eating balanced meals, and uh, just overall, like having healthy habits, you can usually get away with a decent bit (laughs) and it can't Mm -hmm. be fun and sustainable and easy. um, But just understanding that. And I think kind of it's coming back to me is. The belief that you're worth having a body that you, that you like in the mirror, yes. um, self-worth is like the root of it, because if you don't believe that you're worthy of it, your subconscious will then influence you to self-sabotage everything you've earned and go back to the body that you believe that you deserve. Um, so you build a lot of that self-worth through the journey, but if it's not addressed and it's just a band aid solution, then no matter how great your results are, you're not going to be able to keep them because you don't believe that you can actually stay there or that you're worthy of looking good or feeling good. Um, And that is a whole nother rabbit hole that we could totally go down, but um, that would be my main principles for permanent change.
0: Yeah. And I I love, you know, that's something that I've been working on a lot with a lot of my clients recently. And this is something I've been doing more more recently that I've found to be super successful with a lot of clients is identifying those daily wins to start in, you know, building up that self-worth and, and acknowledging that you can be successful with this program and, or just your know, weight loss in general, this is, you know, for anybody, even outside of the program, I would encourage you to look at your daily wins and start writing them down. It's, it's so funny. Cause like yeah. I I've been doing this for a little over a month now with my clients, um, at least, at least the ones that were struggling with this. And I, I have, like, now I have some that are like, you know, a month into this. And I have some that it's like their first week of doing this. And the ones that, you know, the first week they're like, Oh, I don't know. They're they're having the hardest time picking one win out every day. And then the ones that have done this for a month or more are sending like a list of five wins every single day. And and they're like, Oh, I don't have to think about it even more. Like, it's just like now you're, you're, you're subconsciously going to start looking for these things so much more often now, because you're just so used to finding them and seeing them. And it's just, it's natural now. It's just like, I always use the comparison of Think about when you you buy a brand new car and all of a sudden you start seeing that car all over the place because now you're just more subconsciously aware of that car. So it's just like yeah. what are the winds. You are identifying the winds all the time then you start seeing the winds all the time. And so it, I, I love that you brought that up. And I think that is one that a lot of people don't give themselves credit for. They just feel like, I think a lot of people just feel like they're just, they're just checking out the boxes, right? Like, it's just mm-hmm. like like, you know, oh, got my macros in, oh, you know, got my workout done, got my steps in, drank my water, but they're never taking a step back and really acknowledging like, what am I actually doing? How is this shifting my mindset right now? How am I, you know, am I shifting my identity during this process? How am I thinking about myself? Like they don't really think about those other little things. I think that's where that sustainable change comes from.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And asking yourself all those difficult questions. Um <laughs> I love that and I think it's it's really important to either have someone prompt you to do that um like having a coach ask you those questions say in a check-in form or like just ha- having people in your corner that like want to have those conversations <laughs> um is so important because you know, most people just don't want to talk about that stuff or don't even want to consider it. And, you know, we're in this cool little bubble where everyone loves personal development and wants to get better and challenge themselves and push themselves. And so if you're in a circle like this, like a community like Chase's or PCC, like you got to take advantage of those conversations too.
0: Yeah. I, I always say lean on, lean on your community, lean on your coaches, you know, there are so many people, I I love that you brought that up because I feel like so many times you're right. Like, you know, maybe our friends, you know, our friends might be on the diet train, but they're, you know, they're, but one's doing keto, one's doing fasting. And it's like, you know, maybe you have this clearer mindset of something you're doing different right now, but you don't really have anybody around you immediately that's able to talk through the, through this type of change and having some people that are like-minded, people to bounce ideas off of, bounce your wins off of, bounce your struggles off of, that means so much. And I feel like that just adds another whole extra layer of accountability with it all as well on top of the coach.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: Well, as we're starting to kind of wrap things up here, I always love to start to end all the shows with asking my guests, if someone is ready, like they're listening to this and they're like, all right, this today's the day I'm going to make some changes now. Where are the first one or two places they should start?
1: Hmm, good question. Where should they start? Um, I would say, oh, that's actually easy. I just needed to reference back to what I would tell someone starting a journey with me. So I would say the number one thing that you should should focus on is learning how to give yourself compassion while observing your own behavior. Like those are the two things. And I would spend a week, a couple of weeks, a month there. Like, like I said earlier, when you start paying attention, like a lot of your behavior is just self-correct. And so like, for example, paying attention, what does that look like? Having more mindfulness around your habits, you're probably going to want to have some way of logging in everything you eat because that forces you to be aware. Um, So whether it's my fitness pal, if it's my fitness pal, like just delete the calorie goal, like just ignore it, please do anything you can to delete it. Or sometimes I'll set the the calorie goal to like 8,000 a day so that like they can't help (laughs) but ignore it or be like, oh, that's ridiculous or something. So if you're going to do it on a tracking app, make sure there's not a target assigned. And that is very, very important because we don't need more influences um, on our intake. But I mean, even like a picture diary or uh, a food journal that you write manually, um, those are all really great options too, and sometimes have the benefit of not surrounding everything with numbers, which can be helpful for some people. So observe all of your behavior. And another thing that I like to encourage people to do is actually listen to your hunger levels because. Most people don't really have much awareness around this either. And um, we use a particular system that helps people to kind of better quantify that. But essentially what happens when you start paying attention to your hunger levels is you notice that you're at the fridge or pantry at times that you're not hungry. And then you have to ask yourself, well, why is that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. Why am I here? Why Why am I here to eat this now when I'm not physically hungry? And so then we are exploring why we boredom eat or why we stress eat or why we emotionally eat and then we can unpack that and learn better ways to deal with those stressors and those emotions and the boredom and have more productive outlets but we don't do that if we don't know that we're doing it in the first place um and then yeah so basically monitoring your intake your hunger levels and then just practicing non-judgment and self-compassion in compliment, in, in compliment, complimentary to that. Um, (laughs) so because what's going to happen is you're going to start watching your own behavior and then you're going to be really judgmental. That doesn't help anyone. And then you're going to enter the shame spiral again. So instead of being like, Oh man, I ate this many calories today. I'm horrible. I might as well eat more we have to actively practice non-judgment and learning how to just give ourselves grace and neutrality with everything. Like it's not good. It's not bad. It's just like, this is what I ate today. That's it. Like it is just, it is what it is. And just looking at it like that, removing meaning from it and just allowing it to be and allowing us to not make it mean anything about ourselves. And if you can practice that for a couple of weeks, then you can start to make decisions from a place of self-compassion of I'm not doing this because I hate myself and I want to punish myself for being bad. I'm doing this because I care about myself and I see these habits and I see that they're not productive towards my health and I want to change them. And it provides more of a open opportunity to actually make productive change, uh, that comes from a place of love and, uh, compassion for yourself. And then those habits are the ones that actually stick because they're not just a toxic cycle perpetuating itself. So yeah, that would be my answer. Practicing a observation along with self-compassion.
0: Love it. Or so this has been Awesome. Thank you so much. I I think that, you know, I I know a lot of the listeners here are going to be taking a lot away from this episode and um, whether it's, you know, the, you know, just the behavior change aspect or, you know, how to better the relationship with food. There's so much to take away from this. Um, If people want to reach out and connect with you, where are the best places they can find you?
1: Yeah, please. Um, I would say the best place would just be Instagram. It's just Marissa Roy fitness with one R and two S's in Marissa. And um, yeah, I'm most active there and you can pretty much find everything else through that. So um, that's where I'd go.
0: Perfect. Guys, I'll put all the links down in the show notes for all that as well. Again, Marissa, thank you so much for joining me on the show.
1: Yeah, thanks for having me.
0: Once again, thank you guys so much for tuning in to another episode of the Shades and Health Podcast. I greatly appreciate you so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, you can help me by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. This really helps me become more visible to others. Also, share this episode with friends or family and take a screenshot of the episode and upload it to your stories. Be sure to tag me and my guests so we can be sure to say thank you. If you ever have any questions or feedback about something covered on the show, you're always welcome to send me a message. You can find me on Instagram at changing chase. Have a great day, guys. And remember, you matter.